1: All right, let's get into it. Um, Welcome back to another episode of the Anonymous Eagle Podcast. My name is Patrick Leary, joined as always uh, by the rest of the three-man weave, Sam Newberry and Ben Snyder. Um, We have uh, completed the first week of the 2019-20, wow, took me a while to think about what year it was, uh, (laughs) regular season, Um, and... The start for Marquette um, was a resounding victory, uh, the merits of which your mileage may vary. Um, and that's hang think, the band. What? what? What was that? What, what? What? What is what?
2: Your mileage may vary. What? <laughs> never
1: heard that phrase.
2: I have, but like not. No, not, I mean like not like. like Comes to like fascinating basketball game.
1: No, it's like your mileage may vary. Like as in, you may have been really encouraged by it. Um, like I think the uh, Overlord of Anonymous Eagle uh, made clear in his uh, post game review, or you could have decided to sort of accept the amazing offensive performance from the amazing Marcus Howard at surface at face level, and then. Just kind of uh, face value, surface level. Wow, I merged those two phrases. Verbiage. Um, yes, and you could kind of like hone in on some of the flaws of the performance. Um, and I think I think you saw paint touches did a bit of a threat on some of the defensive concerns. Um, but I think overall, um, I think it's it's important before we get negative to acknowledge that Marcus Howard. Um, was able to break the uh, all-time uh, Marquette program scoring record in this game, um, he did it almost entirely in the first half. Um, uh,
0: he just, he o- I it. was openly cackling yeah. during yeah. parts of it. I sounded like a madman alone in my apartment, but it was just so much fun to watch. No, I mean I he was—he was,
1: was, he was yeah. disgusting to start. Like the 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 way he came out of the gates, um, just making everything, making contested. Off balance three pointers like he's used to doing, but usually you know has to you know hit mid season form, and he was just ready to go and was clearly gunning for it right away.
2: Yeah, he took uh, Jarrell McNeil's advice to heart. Um, so <laughs> for people who didn't know, Jarrell just told him to break it the first game and get it over with. Um, so, uh, but I, I can attest to um, having been in the uh, arena for that. Um, yeah, I can attest to what Ben said, ben said too. Where it's just like, at one point, he just hit a step-back three, and I just sat back in my seat and, like, threw my head up and laughed. Like, <laughs> like this is just absolutely unreal. So, um, that's a whole thing. Uh, yeah,
1: you expect, like, players to start the season tentatively, and it was just like, the, it never stopped for him. And, and, if, and you,
0: if you kind of remember, last year, yeah. <clears throat> Marcus Howard had, little bit of a rough patch to start off. If you remember like the Indiana game, the Louisville game, yep. like he wasn't really that great. And it was cause for a little bit of concern at first, but he, he tamped out all doubts in this first game.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, he was injured to end last year too. So it's not like he really mm-hmm. like picked up where he left off. It was almost like he felt like he had, he was on a mission to probably just break the scoring record. But if he felt like he had anything to prove, He definitely proved that he is worthy of his uh, consensus preseason All-American consideration. Um, Do you guys want to shift into some other positive things while we're Uh, Yeah, I I have a couple. Um, Yeah, well, where do you want to start, Sam? uh, Two people
2: in particular I want to start with. um, Mm -hmm. Ed Morrow and Greg Elliott.
1: Interesting. Positive Both. both.
2: Yeah, positives for both. I mean, Greg was really? Greg was two of two from the corner, made his two free throws, um, you know, had didn't have like eye popping stats, but only had one turnover, two rebounds. Um, you know, for a player that we haven't really ever seen at full health, he looked good, right. he looked ready. Um you yeah, know, I was, think that's the key. Yeah. All and happens. so it's it was exciting to see him back on the court. Um again. That's always good. Um, Ed Morrow, um Six total rebounds, uh, perfect from the floor, did not make either of his free throws that he did get, but, um, you know, those just big rebounds in general. Um, And then, obviously, I I was going to let you guys gush about Theo John, but I wanted to point out those two, like, 18 18 minutes for Ed, 16 minutes for Greg, Um, they both looked really good and very comfortable with their roles. But, um,
1: yeah, I mean, Theo John just, like, was, he was chasing everything, and mm -hmm just the the amount of you know weak side ground he was covering on those blocks and just this the sense of when he got up to like four or five of hopelessness of trying to attack around him <laughs> was like really really awesome and like j- it, it was a next it was next level from him like it was it was a level up from what we've seen from him as a shop blocker he's obviously been A spectacular shot blocker um in uh like a a lot of times last year and a little bit maybe his freshman year but like he was consistently just completely erasing shots around the rim and just like hunting them and it was it was a, a next level performance against a team that maybe is probably not one to you know project consistent performance going forward based on the matchup, but he was he was on another level from where I've, I've seen him in, in terms of consistency.
0: To put it a slightly different way, when Theo John was on the court and Loyal Maryland put up a shot, there was a one in three chance that it was getting blocked by Theo John. Yeah, a, that's a thing.
2: Absolute joy to witness. I mean, like, <laughs> I was openly cackling at Marcus, but uh, Theo, just the amount of, like, soul-crushing blocks. Not just, like, the little tipped ones that you celebrate, but, like, the ones where, like, the entire arena, like, inhales and, like, you hear the ooze. like... He's going for gasps. Yeah, like, unbelievable. And um, I don't think I have as much defensive concerns as Paint Touches does about this. I don't want to transition into the negative yet. Um, but. Theo, um, on a positive, not only had eight total rebounds, eight blocks, um, you know, but, uh, he also only had two personal fouls, which, you know, like, I don't want to say None it's happening, applause. but it's happening. He's staying on the court. Look out world. He did it.
1: Yeah, no. And that was huge. I mean, he was not in foul trouble and Ed Morrow was also not in foul trouble. Ed Moore did not commit a foul. So that was really encouraging. I think overall um, in the slightly surprising
0: department, Jamal Cain ended up getting more minutes than Brendan Bailey
1: did. Yeah. And I think that's a decent place to start transitioning into more of the what's exactly going on here. Um, I don't think Brendan Bailey, um, I think Brendan did Bailey, have four fouls. Yeah. I think it was a foul trouble related thing as far as minute share goes. Um, and I don't, Want to say that anything of Bailey's performance was necessary? I don't think it was. I don't think it was because I think that a lot of what you can say is from an assertiveness standpoint. Once Marcus took the game over in the first five minutes, there was no need for Bailey to be like, okay, I've got to really just like start looking for my shot and get my stuff going like there was no opportunity for him to really show the kind of offensive upside I think we want to see from him and then just overall I think when he was on the court he was not like a negative in any way shape or form but I do think that I mean he hit four rebounds four assists that's pretty like the four assists is really encouraging obviously he turned it over a few too many times but Everyone on the team turned it over a few too many times. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that was a bad. Um, yeah, the guards, like, if you just look it down, the people that have the, have the ball on a regular basis, Sakar Inham, four turnovers, Kobe McEwen, three turnovers, Marcus, four, Brendan, three, Samir, four, Greg, one. Um, Greg's obviously the only positive number in that group. Um, all the other ones are, you know, excessive. Um, not super alarming overall, but as a whole, the 21 turnovers was definitely a concern. Um biggest concern for me, and maybe I shouldn't read into it because he's kind of a bit of a streaky player where he'll have games where he'll he will be a huge contributor. Um but I was not really super thrilled with Sakar Anim. Um completely agree.
2: And I
1: I wanted to be more thrilled with Sakar Anim because I think that this team could really benefit from Sakar Anim being a stabilizing consistent force. Um, and I just did not think he brought, um, although he finished, I think he finished well in the second half. Um, but when the game was, you know, in the balance, it was never really in the balance, but when the game was like proceeding early, I did not think Sakar offered, um, enough, um, as a, uh, second option, additional option, whatever you want to refer to it as. I just, I just was not super impressed um, overall, uh, with his performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of uh, similar ish concerns with what we've seen from him in the past. He's incredible at getting to the basket. Yes. Um, just, just sometimes, uh, it's a little bit off with how he finishes. And I just, I really do hope that that changes because he's just so good at getting there. But yeah, it's, uh, the way he finishes, uh, leaves a little bit to be desired.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, like, it's been a recurring thing, too, and, uh, you know, uh, four turnovers to go with, four of nine from two, um, just a lot of the normal um, gripes we've had with his finishing in the past, coming back to haunt um, immediately, game one. Um, another gripe that uh, I have is O of two from the free throw line. He's never been an elite mm-hmm. shooter, but yeah, he's a, he's been in college five years. He's playing at a wing spot, uh, as Ben noted. He does get to the rim easy. Um, I'm going to need him to hit his free throws.
1: (laughs) Please. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, like, that's the problem is it's like when you have 80% of something, you don't have any of it because Mm -hmm. he's great at getting to the rim. He's great at, you know, creating edges with his um, slashing ability to, you know, get in front of defenders. But then if you can't finish it at the rim, and you can't make your free throws if you get fouled. It's like, what's the point of your skill set?
2: Yeah, and he's not, like, he, he's definitely gotten a lot better at shooting the three since um, his freshman year, um, where it is a more reliable part of his game, but his that if you're going to sit Sikari him in a corner and tell him to wait for the three ball, um, you're really doing yourself a, a disservice as a coach, and you're really doing him a disservice um, to his skill set But, you know, he needs to have that skill set produce an end product.
1: Yeah, and I I just think he's a fifth-year senior, um, and you want him to be a consistent contributor. And um, if he's going to be sort of lukewarm again and, like, you know, Sometimes there for you, sometimes not. It's like, well, we would really it really benefit the team if he could just it'd be score a lot
0: football. cooler if you did.
1: Yeah, it'd be it'd be great. Um Kobe McEwen I thought played um okay, not great. Um was a fan of him making three threes, um on three attempts. Um thought he did a decent job of managing the team without Marcus Howard in the game. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a nice thing. Um to, to see. I mean, Marcus is going to be in thirty four ish minutes a game probably, but um, in in certain instances, especially if he, as a person who is you know, notoriously small and sometimes struggles to defend um, because of his size, not because of his skill, he's a he's a talented defender for his size. I still think. But he might get into foul trouble, and so there could be instances where, you know, for eight-minute stretch, Kobe McEwen has to run the team. And so um, I thought Kobe did an okay job of that. Um, I think for now, I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable with him as the complement and not uh, the uh, leader.
0: Yeah, I got Um, a couple random things I saw from Kobe uh, to get kind of the defensive issues that I was really, like, I had my eye on him pretty much the whole time when he was on defense Uh, still looks like he's kind of getting lost on screens, which was something I was worried about. But I can also chalk that up to first game with the new team, real live game action in two years. So I'm not too crazy concerned right now. Um, But the one thing I did like from his offense was uh, I kind of started to think about times in past years in which the offense goes kind of stale. Maybe the defense is draped around Marcus Howard and no one else is really making too many efforts to create offense on their own. And there would be times where I just like, just someone just drive and see what happens. And uh-huh. that kind of seems to be Kobe's game where it's a little bit, a head down. Let's just try and see what happens, which I think can mostly be a good thing in, in, the scheme of this team. Um, I can see that potentially frustrating us, but I do ultimately think that that sort of thing will be more good than bad. So overall, yeah, seven out of 10 debut from Kobe.
1: Yeah, I think it was fine. Um, yeah, fine. And I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see the first time a team effectively takes Marcus Howard um, out of the game. Um, yeah. Whether it means like they are, you know, defending him well enough that his shot selection or um, the quality of shots he's getting is not good, um, or whether he gets into foul trouble. It's going to be interesting to see how Marquette reacts in that time. Um, obviously, I would not like for that to happen. That would be really uh, difficult and stressful. However, um, I do think it's going to happen, and it's going to happen at a time that it matters, and Kobe McEwen is going to need to help. Um, one other... Player I wanted to touch on that we haven't mentioned is Samir Torrance. Um, Samir Torrance, I don't think played very well. I don't think that's like a revelation, but also it's his first collegiate game. Um, I think that my biggest takeaway from that, and now part of it could have been that, you know, it was a 35 point win, so this is part of it, but, you know, 17 minutes um, is a substantial total. Um, And I would assume that Samir is going to be. And I could be pronouncing that wrong. I heard a different pronunciation. Um, Sam, can you verify that – what was Jakubowski saying when – He kind
2: of flipped back and forth. Sometimes okay, he would so say Samir.
1: Si- sometimes he would say Symer. Yeah, like Sy si- – yeah. So we've got to figure that out. So hopefully – Homer
0: on the radio call for the scrimmage was saying Simir. Yeah, I think Because Sime- he would, he would, he would yeah. say
1: Sy for short.
2: Yeah,
0: I so think So that's si- what yes.
1: I'm going with. All right, let's go with Simir. That's a good and- – uh,
2: I'm cool. With just calling him Sai. That's what he goes by. Sai's
1: so. fine. Sai Torrance. Um, he was great. Samir, please, I, was, if you're listening, reach out to us. He was. He was. Excuse me. I said he was great. He was not great. Um, but it was great to see him and to sort of see, um, uh, for an extended period. Um, what that, uh, sort of what he looks like in Marquette's system and, um, the kind of. Ability he can show. I thought you could see him. You know, it's very projectable to see that guy as a lead guard in an offense like this. Um, obviously, totally agree. Gonna need he's gonna need to grow, and I think the um, bad games, bad teams that Marquette is playing at certain points of their early schedule um, will benefit him, as he will probably get similar workload, Um, but I think he's going to be a factor. I think he is going to, Greg Elliott obviously is going to be the guard off the bench for this team, um, because they're going to start three guards, whatever you think about Sakar Annam's position of choice. Um, And so, Elliott is going to be the only one that's going to need to sub on. If they sub on, um, they're going to They're going to primarily sub Kane, Morrow, and Elliott for now into that starting lineup. But Torrance is that ninth guy. And I think you're going to see Torrance be a legit ninth guy, as in he is going to have a 10 minute role um, in almost every game. Um, Maybe not super tense, non foul trouble involved, um, you know, big time opponent sort of games right away, but I think he's going to have a defined role, and that was really good to see.
2: Um, I will give him this. Um, when he was on the court for stretches, um, with, with, with Kobe, he wasn't really handling the ball as much, but he was still handling the ball coming up the court. Um, obviously, the four turnovers isn't great. I like the three assists, though. Um, you know, the shots will fall with time. Um, he, wasn't, he was much more of a, a facilitator and a creator when he was on the court. He wasn't necessarily... You know, um, never really the primary offensive option; more so um, the the passer. Um, and he he looked comfortable for the most part. Um, you know, the four turnovers again weren't great, but um, he never really let it get into his own head, and um, he never really got rattled while handling the ball, um, which is kind of nice. Uh, so I, I, you know, first game college jitters you know, playing new system, yada, yada, new insert, new guy, cliche here. But um, (laughs) I will say, uh, sorry, Sam, finish. Well, I was going to say, just like, he'll be like, I I, I, I like Pat's take that this is a guy that's going to get 10 minutes a game, be called upon to not only be on the court and be a defender, um, you know, and be a warm body on offense, but actually um, put in time facilitating the offense, if not necessarily carrying the scoring load. Um, so that's, uh, that's everything I saw was encouraging the stats sort of belie that.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it's a big, I don't think it's a big worry from a stats standpoint. Um,
0: it did also look like, uh, I think Sam, you might've mentioned this on the last pod that he drew a lot of charges in high school, but, uh, he looks to be, uh, kind of like a big charge guy. Like I can definitely see him just, uh, shifting right in front of someone to, uh, get a, clutch charge call on a potentially, he did that. yeah he so yeah, what, yeah he did he did it at some point in the game but uh definitely looks like uh he's that type of player so uh i like yeah. the grit from this guy hopefully he's not as annoying as brad davison is about it though where well he hasn't that's punched his only form yet. of defense he hasn't punched
1: anybody the nuts yet so there's no way he's that annoying that's I, true yeah i just can't even picture that comparison
0: yeah
1: <laughs> um All right, so I think that's about enough um, on the game from Tuesday. Let's put in a little ad break here, and we'll be back on the other side. Okay, so briefly wanted to touch on uh, the uh, Dexter Acano redshirt news. May Um, he rest in peace. We had all (laughs) these good takes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah so so my take on dexter cano that he would be a factor and i believe i might have said that he would be more of a factor than samir torrance Idiot. is like a like horrifically bad take in hindsight Boo this man yeah just did not make sense and it's one of those that you're off the pod yeah i'm 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 gonna we'll take, have I'm to gonna
0: find another that. generic 20 something white guy to be a part of this podcast Ooh. oh i Ouch. yeah
1: that's, that's hilarious um I I I, that that was
0: that was really a comic.
1: If I didn't didn't feel so burned, I would I would be laughing harder. (laughs) Um, The yeah, I think the biggest uh, thing with that is it's not surprising. I think um, when you bring in a player that does not have sort of immense pedigree as a recruit, um, and there are thoughts that his skill set may not be quite up to par and you have a deep backcourt um i think a move like that makes sense um and it makes sense to not to for the long term um will it be frustrating you know i'm not even going to say it would be frustrating if somebody suffers an injury because i don't know sort of what his ceiling as a contributor is um or would be if wojo is making the conscious decision to redshirt him like that so in general i'll just say um it's a bummer because i would have liked to see sort of like an 18 year old hulk attacking uh (laughs) attacking uh offensive players for opposing teams um but also i get it and it makes sense and it's a bummer but whatever
0: the potential spin zone i mentioned this on our internal group me but uh if you can recall back to the days of when we were reading the tea leaves based on whiteboard screenshots, uh, Saimir was originally pegged to be as a potential redshirt for this year. So presumably that means that one of the two freshmen was going to be a candidate for that. It was in all likelihood going to be Torrance and something had to have happened between then and now. And I like to think that Torrance really impressed the coaching staff and Akano might have been just as good as advertised but maybe Torrance just is that good I mean I... Torrence
2: was always the more ready looking player um, especially in the scrimmage that I they put or not the scrimmage the exhibition game they played against St. Norbert um, he was always the more like more comfortable player so um, I, I said on um, an earlier podcast that uh, Akano really reminds me of like the next coming of Sakaar, um, with probably less with cro- you know crossing my fingers, a more consistent jump jo- shot early and less finishing issues at the rim. Um, so I think that he was always the better candidate to redshirt. Um, still a project as a ball handler, um, you know, still sort of growing into um, the fact. I mean, he's only eighteen. Um, I think the redshirt's going to be very good for him, Um, and I definitely see him being a consistent player for four years at Marquette after that. So, um, you know, the whiteboard finally lied
1: to us, boys. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to him down the road for sure, Um, especially like, like I've mentioned every time he's come up, just a dude that looks really freaking strong for how old he is. Um, but yeah, I think for now it's got to be uh, obviously put on the back burner, and we'll see uh, what comes about. Um, as we're looking forward to this week, uh, Marquette with a pair of games Wednesday and Sunday against Big Ten opponents, Purdue and a team that I believe is pronounced Wisconsin, but I but I can't I can't be sure that that that, that team
2: ninety miles to the west.
1: Yeah. Um so Ken Palm has both projected as one point victories for Marquette. Um uh, crucially we did it, guys. Yeah, congratulations to us. Um crucially the Purdue uh matchup takes place at Pfizer Forum, the Wisconsin matchup at the Cole Center. Um, So that is why, um, despite a large gulf in the Ken Palm ratings for Purdue and Wisconsin, with Purdue in the top 10, Wisconsin just inside the top 50, um, those are both similar results. Um, Thus far this season, uh, let's start with Purdue. Um, Purdue uh, lost an all-American caliber player in Carson Edwards uh, over the last year, um, and a couple of other pieces, I believe, although um, specifically... Um, I think Dakota Matthias, uh, off the top of my head, it was one, uh, that they lost. Uh, I'm just going to click over to 2019. Um, blah, 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 blah. Dakota Mathias. No, Dakota Mathias was not on last year's jam. Never mind. Um, Ryan Klein is who I'm thinking of. Ryan Klein. Dakota Mathias was the year before. Yeah. Um, Ryan Klein. Yeah. He's probably the biggest loss next to, uh, Edwards, although they also lost a starter, uh Grady Eifert. Um, oh, Eifert was a pretty good shooter too, so oh, yeah, good shooter. he uh, he was very uh limited usage. He was the he was the uh the Matt Helt um in that he was the number one player in offensive rating, even though he had uh nearly invisible usage, according to <laughs> Kevin Bomb's categorization. Um. Obviously, we really best- do
0: need to get on making that the Matt Held award.
1: Dude, yeah, I remember that. That was in one of the one of the seasons when he almost got that. I think that was.
0: It was, was two that? years ago, and yeah. he was behind someone from Arizona State.
1: Yeah. It was, oh it was,
0: God, why can I not think of his name? But he it, he was point one behind him.
1: I the running joke was that Matt Held is the best offensive player in the country, and that is an undisputed. It's not a joke. Um, so the Purdue, uh, team has changed, uh, a fair amount, I would say, um, obviously removing one of the best players in the country who played 96% of the time, um, is a huge factor. Carson Edwards finished third in the Ken Palms, uh, player of the year rating last year. And in Edwards stead, um, it's been, a lot of players uh, have had to step up. So uh, the two uh, from the team or the one, uh, the two from the team a year before whose roles have increased a ton are uh, sophomores, Aaron Wheeler and Eric Hunter. Um, The other sort of new contributor to the starting lineup is Jihad Proctor, um, a transfer from high point, a graduate transfer Um, he also spent time playing for Iona at one point, um, go Gales, but, uh, Proctor had a very good opening game of the season against, uh, our, uh, Marquette's, uh, quote unquote rivals to the North, uh, green Bay, uh, for, he went for 26, um, in that game, um, and, uh, made, uh, 11 of his 17 field goals. So a very efficient, um, effective scoring game from him in game one. However, um, and this is uh, this happened just yesterday, and is sort of throwing a wrench into what we sort of generally looked looked at as a um, sort of a top twenty Ken Palm, you know, fringe top twenty five team showdown. Is that Purdue lost to Texas at home yesterday, um, which I think is probably an upset by every possible consideration. It's not an overwhelming upset. Um, but that was definitely, I think one Purdue was expecting to win, albeit closely. And so Marquette will get an opponent coming off of a defeat on Wednesday and a defeat that, um, While not egregious by any stretch of the imagination, um, was one they think they were uh anticipating, uh, not suffering. Um, I think the most the player that Marquette fans are going to recognize the most, um, is definitely going to be Matt Harms. Well, yeah, he's a freaking scarecrow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Purdue played at Marquette two years ago. Am I? Correct. And I think Matt Harms was a freshman. It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. His it was him, him
0: and Isaac Haas were on the same team. Yeah,
1: correct. And Matt. Yeah. And Purdue gave Marquette the absolute work in that game.
2: Giving them um, the business.
1: Yeah, it was not pretty. Um, but that was a very, very good Purdue team. That was a 30 and 7 team um, that disappointed in the tournament only after uh, Isaac Haas uh, broke his wrist. Broke his hand, maybe, but yeah,
2: that sounds right. Something, uh, something in his uh, upper body broke.
1: Yeah, and Purdue last year was a, was a little more underrated in, by virtue of not winning as many games in the regular season, um, but still made a better run in the tournament and pretty much should have made the Final Four if it wasn't for Virginia's Devil Magic um, for was, the entire like last two weekends of the tournament.
0: As a quick aside, that was one of the best basketball games I've ever watched, yes. that Carson Edwards was just licking volcanic ash and saying, give me more.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was amazing in that game. Um, I think that Purdue is probably, I think it's fair to say is going through an adjustment period without Edwards and sort of still at the point of learning who they are. But Ben, you watched the Purdue Texas game. Um, What are your thoughts on what you saw from Purdue?
0: Yeah. So I think, we should start maybe thinking about the conversation of Matt Painter slowly turning himself into one of the better offensive coaches in the game because the way he runs his offense is just fantastic. It's just a ton of motion. Um, but it doesn't look like he has the Carson Edwards type of guy to be able to bail them out with ridiculous shots. And to that end, some of those other – like the Matt lines and the Dakota Mathiases of the world aren't necessarily there to stretch the floor out as much, so it's probably going to be a lot of motion leading into mid-range or rim shots. Um, but I do, I do think this Jihad Proctor guy is a legit player. He yeah. was able to drive with relative ease against a really good Texas defense. And uh, they do actually have one shooter who came off the bench. I can really see him annoying us. Uh, Sasha Stefanovic. At one point, he made like four straight threes in the first half and just brought Mackey Arena to its knees. Um, but to that, but to the end of uh, trying to create as many uh, shots close to the rim as possible, Texas did a fantastic job, particularly Jericho Sims around the rim of. Uh, really staying true, not getting in too much foul trouble. Uh, their two bigs ended up combining for nine fouls. So to that end, especially against Travion Williams, who is kind of a Theo John double, he and Ed Morrow are really going to have to stay on the floor. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think we've heard much about the status of Jace Johnson, but, uh, this is the type of game where his presence could be yeah. very, very, very much needed. Um, and so, I do think that they're going to end up being a very good team and I also like the fact that we're playing them at the start of the season because they do have a lot of new faces or if not new faces, uh, guys that are shifting into new roles. Really, the only guys that have similar roles from last year are Matt Harms and a noted, uh, Swiss army knife, nogel Eastern.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, um,
2: Something that really strikes me about the stat lines I'm looking at here. Um, so Matt Harms is seven three for those people who don't know. Um, Ridiculous. Yeah, so it, that's tall. But uh, things I want to point out about that. He was only, only 4 of 6 from, the, uh, from 2. 0 of 2 from 3. Yeah, he, and, can, he can try and shoot. Um, and had no defensive rebounds, only 2 offensive rebounds for 2 total. Um, along with four turnovers and three fouls.
0: Which Uh, is odd, because the team, as a total, had 17 offensive rebounds. So their tallest guy was not contributing to that at all. No. Um, And then, uh, so Travion Williams
2: um, looks like his backup. Aaron Wheeler also looks like... um, Aaron Wheeler's more of a wing. Um, But Travion Williams looks much more like uh, the backup um you know they only really go seven guys deep um you know there's two sort of garbage time guys here um not that that game ever saw garbage time but they had you know six minutes and two minutes and only one of them even recorded a shot and a foul so um you know they're, they're gonna go seven deep if we can put any one of their guys into foul trouble it's going to be a problem um you know they don't have a ryan klein or dakota matthias um to sort of really play off of, um, Jihad Proctor's best Carson Edwards imitation. Um, you know, that Stefanovic um, that Ben mentioned is probably the closest thing. Yeah. He's um, kind
0: of a, just don't let him get hot and you're fine. Type yeah. Guy. Yep.
2: Um, so Mike, you know, if. The, the, they'll find, they'll find their shots. They shot miserably from the floor in total. Um, although they did shoot 50% from three. So, um, it looks like they don't take a lot of threes, so I guess that might just be more of a small sample size than anything. But, um, I think I, I'm not too worried about us dealing with their offense. Um, you know, the Marquette defense, I think this, I mean, obviously it will be a much bigger test than Loyola Maryland, but the Marquette defense I thought still looked pretty okay for the most part. Um, especially encouraged by Theo's good play. Um, but I'm worried about what their defense is going to do to our offense because they turn people over. Um, they had eight steals as it was. Wow. Uh, Texas had 16 total turnovers, so they will eight turn steals. you over. Um, they ha- they only recorded 19 fouls throughout the entire game, so that's um, you know it's pretty average, I guess. Um, you know that they they won't r- ridiculously over-foul you. And it looks like they rebound fairly well. So, um, you know, if we're not getting second chances um, from offensive rebounds, and if they're turning us over like Marquette loves to be turned over, um,
1: that might be a problem. Marquette's never loved the turnover it hasn't. <laughs> yeah. the- Marquette's never seen a turnover it hasn't loved.
0: <laughs> I will say, uh, Painter's defenses haven't normally – Tried to go for those steals historically, but at the same time, that was kind of the only reason the game ended up being close, because Texas shot ridiculously well from the floor, but just those sloppy type of plays kept them in the game.
1: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I would say, in general, my observation from talking to you guys and just sort of what I'm looking at here, um. Marcus Howard, how an opponent deal or an opposing, yeah, an opponent deals with Marcus Howard is probably almost always going to be the biggest key to the game for any game against Marquette. Um, but in general, specific to this matchup, I think a nice secondary thing to follow is how the centers um, for both sides, um, you know, who stays on the floor, who outplays whom? Um, I think is going to be a really important thing to watch because I think um, you could argue that Marquette's second best player right now is Theo John. Um, Matt Harms is probably Purdue's most established player. Um, And uh, the uh, Travion Williams uh, and Ed Morrow will probably both uh, rotate it in. And so uh, that. Matchup with such a solid established size um, is definitely one to, uh, part of this to watch. Um, now, I would say that outside of if you remove Marcus Howard from the equation, um, Purdue is a lot bigger on the perimeter. Maybe not a ton bigger on the perimeter than Marquette, but uh, definitely doesn't have um, you know a guy like Nojel Eastern being six seven um, playing kind of like the Swiss army knife role. And then their primary guards being six, three and six, four. Um, it'll be an interesting size matchup, um, in that regard. But I do think, uh, the place to look after how do they fix Marcus Howard is what does the matchup look like inside? Um, especially, uh, from a defensive standpoint, I'm very Uh, curious
0: to see how Brendan Bailey matches up against, eastern because yes he's he's a he's type he's a type of guy that bailey is kind of built to defend against and it's not like eastern's going up to the basket really trying to score like he ended up being three of ten from the floor on saturday so it wasn't good shooting but he has such incredible vision of the floor and that's the type of thing that you kind of need to put a little bit more pressure on him in order to stymie that so mm. i'm really hoping that uh Some of my uh, takes about Brendan Bailey can come into fruition earlier on. And also, uh, kind of along the Marcus Howard storyline situation, uh, the best player on Texas by far on Saturday really dragged them to victory was Matt Coleman. He had almost a perfect day, and a lot of it was as a result of him driving to the rim and kicking it out for an open three. And I think that's definitely the type of game that Marcus Howard can be successful in playing so as long as he doesn't get too scared of matt harm's seven foot three stature then i think that he can easily get his in this game
2: yeah i agree i I think this game will be won based upon sort of you know who who of kobe um brendan greg um you know one of the two bigs who else can be a scoring threat um Marcus will get his, of course, um, and Jod Proctor will more than likely try and drag this team to a or drag this Purdue team to a win. Um, like I said, they didn't really shoot all that efficiently, so I want to see like I think the whoever has the better secondary scoring options on the night is probably going to be the team that wins this game.
1: I think yeah. before we move on to Wisconsin, um, I think something I'm I'm curious to track is, um, if you look at the Texas game, the usage rate um, trends for Purdue uh, lean to their big guys. Um, So Harms and Travion Williams had uh, the uh, largest usage rates by far um, in that game Saturday, Um, Travion Williams, when he was on the court, only 17 minutes, he had a 36% uh, possession usage. Um, So Proctor, I think, is probably their most um, get-a-bucket kind of guy. Um, But I'm not sure, especially looking at how he didn't have an overwhelming usage against Green Bay either, Um, although it was tied for first. It was only 24%. Um, I'm not super convinced that they're going to try to funnel you know, have one guy try to carry it like we likely will have for Marcus Howard. Um, So I I think it's a really intriguing matchup because I think Purdue is one of those teams that is not by any means an elite basketball team this year, but they're an extremely talented one top to bottom. Um, And it's a test for Marquette early on because I would say that Marquette has one supremely talented player and then a lot of question marks um, down the roster to where, um you would take Marcus Howard over any other player in this game by a wide margin, but you would probably top to bottom prefer Purdue's roster, so I'm very interested to see how it plays out. Um transitioning uh to the Badger game, which briefly Badger. badger uh briefly, it's sort of weird to me that this game is a month earlier than normal. I really don't know why.
0: I'm not nearly mad enough for this. I can be and I probably will be but as of right now I'm not just seething with anger
1: it's, which is it's unfortunate. Just, it's weird. Like I just that's it's, I don't think it's bad or or good necessarily. I think I'd prefer it to just be where it usually is. Um but in general I just find it weird. Like it was a, there's always been a very clear reason why that game is there. It's because you play it and then finals happen. Like, yeah, from putting on my
0: student hat again, uh, I'm just shivering at the amount of times that I had to study the day after that happened for right. finals when I'm just
1: hungover as hell. But it's like, I don't really understand what the what the change is. Maybe it's something to do with the Kohl Center's hosting something, or it might be that... No, the, uh, so, uh, sorry, is interject. It so Is it Big it, Ten play? I was just about no, to say No, it's
2: uh, the Kansas State game. Our huh? Kansas State game.
1: Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm going to be going yeah. to that game. So, okay. yeah, not to brag.
2: We play Kansas State on Saturday, December 7th, which is the day before or the weekend before finals. The traditional spot. Yeah, which is the traditional spot. And that was, that's part of the uh, Big East Big 12 challenge. So, oh. um, that is why it was changed. Oh, oh. Plus, um, just taking a quick glance here. Yes. Um, that is, um, the start of big 10
1: play the start of big 10 play as well so oh my god <laughs> yeah you know, so that's why you can yeah. thank 20 game schedules for that as we are about to have one yeah. um in UConn, the next welcome. few years uconn uh uconn has entered the U- chat the uconn suck it the the roughest and least cordial possible of welcomes to you uh to this conference and i hope may may god rest your soul um you know, I I don't even wish that God rest their soul. No, I, I hope yeah, God yeah, just very very uh, very excited to hopefully just crap on UConn um, for the next uh, few uh, few years. Anyhow, um, Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin, a lot of familiar names. Um, one
2: very big omission.
1: Yes, uh, Ethan Happ, um, noted. Uh, Play, no, noted that, 1970s basketball player Ethan Hap. noted video game player that 90% of the attributes were maxed out and 5 were forgotten uh, <laughs> Ethan Happ uh, the only 5 had, that were forgotten were the ones that brought him into the modern era yes um, he, is, he does not exist any longer he is a figment of our imagination and always has been may he rest in peace this is a twist uh, at the end of an elaborate uh, thriller film um, but he is no longer a Badger, um, and so the sort of complementary pieces around him for the last two years um, now make up the entirety of the Badger roster. Um, thus far this season, um, the Badgers are playing a seven- to eight-man rotation Um and uh, starting a familiar five um, with uh, Dad Braveson um, and Demetric Trice in the backcourt, Aleem Ford and Kobe King on the sort of forward wings. And uh, 6'11 backwards basketball player Nate Reuvers, um as... Uh, I thought it was Reavers.
0: Re- yeah, I always thought it was Reavers as well.
1: Reavers, sorry. Pat, um, I think it's Reavers. I think it's Reavers. I think let's, let's pause the podcast for a second. Okay. Um, Can we have a brief conference? Reavers, great. No, uh, Reavers. Uh, (laughs) So it's Reavers. Uh, And I would say to start off, although in two games, um, Wisconsin has had Kobe King have a very quiet game and a very good game. So Kobe King could be an X Factor to watch. But for me, I think that the most intriguing and potentially impactful player on Wisconsin is Nate yeah. Um He offers well, he was, a yeah, ton. He was supposed to be the heir apparent. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really, like, his skill set is awesome. Um, you and, would find it on any old school Creighton team. Yes. And you would want it on any team because it's a, a defined, unique... Skill set. Um, you like a, a player like that can help any basketball team in America. Um, and I actually sort of feel the same about Brad Davison to a certain extent, although I don't like his skill set as much. like It's always good, even if your team is uber talented with a bunch of five stars, it's never a bad thing to have a scrappy backup guard that can just – muck things up, um, you know, get hot and throw in some threes occasionally, but not often, um, and you know, be a factor like that. Um, I don't think I love it as sort of you know a primary backboard option. Your occasional lead guard. Like I don't think I like that necessarily. And Trice has not played very well so far this season. Well
2: things I want to point out about this Wisconsin team, and I promise I'm not just trying to be mean to Wisconsin. Um their offense they, is miserable. You can be yeah, their, all, their offense is really, really, really bad. Like they're shooting 21.6% from three. Their effective field goal percentage, you know, carried very much by that miserable three point mark, is 43.9. Like they're they don't really turn it over, but that's always been a hallmark of Wisconsin. Mm. Slow, efficient, um uh, you know, minimized possessions. Um and we can argue, you know, how bad that is. You know the finer points of efficiency and tempo, but they don't have a true like shot maker. They don't have um, in general. In general, they don't appear to be a very good shooting team this year. No. They, I mean, they just don't appear to be very good offensively. Period. Um, Based on
0: what and, I saw against St. Mary's, a fair amount of their possessions ended up being all right. Let's give it to Nate Reavers on baseline. Let's kind of clear out so. He doesn't get an easy, an easy double, and he'd either back down his defender or he'd do a little turnaround jumper that most of the time went in. I think that's something that the John can easily defend. I agree, and I mean a lot of their offense.
2: Just looking at their the, the individual player statistics, you know, Nate Reavers has only taken 26 shots from the floor. Um, Aleem Ford has only taken 19 shots from the floor but they're shooting their free throws fairly well and getting a lot of them. So that's going like I think that um, their offense just isn't all that good they you know they finally did pull away thanks to Kobe King from Eastern Illinois um, last gauntlet. week yeah um, you know insert directional Illinois school problem here. Um, but you know they really a mid-
1: middle a middle of the road directional Illinois not yeah. not the not the cream of the crop not the worst. A very average directional Illinois, right? Big fan of the Salukis, yeah. Um, Southern Illinois, but you know, like
2: they're going to do the Wisconsin thing where they only, you know, they're they're close to bottom. You know, they're a bottom five tempo team in the country. Um, you know, their possession lengths go forever, and it does look like they're at least semi good defensively. Um, Things that are notable about that, they do have a good defensive offic- uh, effective field goal percentage, but they are really bad at guarding the three. Um, so, you know, we've, we've saw some good, obviously, we have human Small, small or, sample, though, obviously. Small sample, of course, but, um, you know, they, they, they do have, they're going to win games because of their defense this year. Um, obviously, um, with the loss of Hap and without really reloading guys into that system. Um, that can be the ridiculously efficient scorer Hap was. Um, you know, this is going to be a down year for Wisconsin. And again, just from a purely, like, analytical standpoint, a down year for Wisconsin, not Marquette fan hopes Wisconsin suffers miserably. Um, you know, Reavers was supposed to be the heir apparent scorer. He's, for the most part, taken on that mantle. Um, you know, people did talk about his three-point shooting abilities, but he's not really shooting a lot of them. Um I guess he's shooting three a game, 6'11 center. Like like I said, he definitely would fit in the Creighton system. Um, but it looks like they really just sort of hope that him or Kobe King go off. Um, you go know? off, King. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, God. Oh, no. I
1: heard it. I heard it, and I couldn't not. Sorry.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, I hate you. Um, but, yeah, like was, Brad Davis was one Brad of my
1: Davis- finer moments.
2: Brad Davison's not really shooting. Again, nobody's really shooting well for them. But you know, guys you would expect to be making a bunch of shots for them, aren't? Um, at least from three point line. Um, Brad Davison, one of six. Kobe King's o of one. Aleem Ford is two of eleven. Um, Brevin Pritzel, which is still the dumbest name in college sports.
1: Noted. Noted. States. Concession stand item. Brevin Pritzel. Pritzel. Yes, yes. Correct um that's just that's on today props to pat well no that one is my recurring brevin pritzel joke that i've been making for like two years so that one is (laughs) not
0: but yeah like they don't
2: have you know kobe king obviously went off to help drag them to a win against eastern illinois um nate reavers was sort of their go-to guy as expected in the loss to saint mary's um but they don't have just like a ridiculously efficient scorer anymore and i struggle to see especially against you know a Marquette defense that should be better um, than any of the defense they've played or any other defensive they have played so far, um, and will you know they have McNeese State next, so they won't see yet another good defense until Marquette. Um, you know, I don't think St. Mary's is supposed to have a ridiculously good defense um, at you know top sixty-five, I guess, but definitely not as good as Marquette's. Um, so, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, and I hate to bring up easily one of the worst days in my Marquette basketball fandom, but the, uh, the 20 was it 2014 when Wisconsin won like 41 to 35 or something in the Bradley center.
1: Was that the eighth uh, strong game?
2: Maybe it was maybe 20, I think
0: it was, I think it was actually,
2: I think it was 2015. Cause it was, we, we weren't that good that year. And they, um, Wisconsin
1: was. Well, no,
0: that was that was Henry Ellenson year. That year we won at the Kohl yeah, Center. Twenty
1: fourteen would have been the 49, strong year. eight, eight strong year. Just, yeah, forty nine to thirty eight, and Marquette. Uh, Marquette's tallest player in that game was Steve Don't. Taylor. Oh God, 6'8"? Yeah. Uh um, and Deontay Burton um, was. Deontay sort of,
0: Burton, noted power forward that year. Yeah. Just man.
1: Yeah. Um my quick uh anyway
0: semi comparison uh here. I think uh, St. Mary's is a decent proxy for how Marquette's gonna play in that Jordan Ford is I don't want to say a taller than Marcus Howard. I'm not gonna make a lazy comparison, but he's probably one of the three best guards in the country. He's very much a prodder, will just slowly knife at a defense and it's not very similar to the way Marcus Howard plays, but he's definitely the guy on St. Mary's who's going to get all the shots when they need a bucket. And so he got used pretty much whenever he was on the floor extensively. And he was able to carve up the defense pretty well. He shot four of eight from three and was able to get 16 quality looks from inside the arc. And he ended up being the key difference in that victory. And I, I, end up thinking that Marquette is probably St. Mary's, but with a little bit of a better defense. So take that and uh, put it on a road game. I think it's going to end up being closer than we think, but I, I just don't see a guy on Wisconsin needing to make a clutch shot late down the stretch and being able to make it. So I think that ends up being the difference in the game.
2: I think that's a pretty good take. Um, You know, I always want us to beat Wisconsin. I always want us to run them into the ground when we play them. Uh, I probably think that uh, we're going to beat them by, like, six to eight points in the Kohl Center. Um, You know, Wojo's got that building kind of figured out, which is nice. And then this is just not the best. Yeah, this is just not
1: the best iteration of Wisconsin we've ever seen.
2: So. Um, this
1: is, I will say though, this is a better iteration than the last Wisconsin team that we played in the Kohl Center. <laughs> that, yeah, that team was a carcass the last time we played. Marquette played them there. Um, my just general thought about Wisconsin before we sort of we can transition into some predictions and finishing this out. Um, I just think in general Wisconsin's starting five is fine. They have like. Yeah two or three really potentially nice players that are sort of inconsistent and have good skill sets and can flash at some points but aren't, like, overwhelming. Um, and then I kind of look at the rest of the team and I'm like, what else is here? And, you know, Brevin Pritzel is so aggressively just an average role player. And it, it ju- there's just not a ton of talent beyond, uh, I don't know, like Trice is a really talented player who's got consistency issues. King is really talented, but he's been injured a lot. Davison has a ceiling, but is a contributor. Royvers has a cool skill set. Aleem Ford is athletic. It's like, uh, there's no, the team needs an Ethan Happ. And, it's, and it, if, if you don't have it, it's kind of like, the ceiling and, like, they'll muck it up and they'll make games ugly. And I'm sure the if they can slow Marcus Howard down, um, the resulting game on Sunday is going to be ugly. But this team just is so average. And I think Ken Palm really, really tends to overrate Wisconsin because of how um, – Efficiency, uh, especially efficiency affected by tempo, tends to skew the Ken Palm model. Um, And you don't see Wisconsin high in Ken Palm this year. Wisconsin's 49th. For me, I always take it as if Wisconsin is low in Ken Palm, then that is a reflection of Wisconsin overall not being anything special. Um, so I guess I can get us started if we want to say, you know, our predictions for the week. Um, that was a good submission, Pat. Nice job. Thank you, Ben. Um, I, I generally think the more difficult game for Marquette is going to be the game against Purdue. Um, and I think it's going to take a truly special Marcus Howard game, uh, to win it. Um, Because I think Purdue is going to offer a lot of challenges for the the rest of Marquette's roster. Um, And I think that while I love Theo John and Ed Morrow and they are rock solid generally, um, I think legitimate front court talent is still going to be a challenge for them, especially early in the season. Um, Because I think that they are both are really solid players. Theo obviously has a lot of upside. Um, Ed is kind of is what he is in a really solid way. Um, but I think that they are going to be challenged by a guy with the kind of size and talent that Matt harms has a guy with the kind of like, uh, girth size as, uh, uh Tra- Travion Williams. Um, so I think it's a potentially a huge challenge. And if I really had to make a pick, um, if I knew that Marcus Howard wasn't going to go nuclear and score 40, which is obviously always a possibility, and he is one for one pretty much at doing that this season, um, all things being sort of contained, I think I would say Purdue um, is more likely to win that game. Um, I believe Marquette will win in the Kohl Center. Um, I think it'll be close because I think Wisconsin is not like a husk, and they are always solid on their front court on their home court. Um, especially in a, a game with high intensity like that. Um, but I, I I would lean towards one and one with both games being close, um, provided Marcus Howard doesn't completely, you know, like the, Shit the, the bed. yeah no the other way, um, like also erupt the other like, way erupt like the anger anger guy from inside out that that jiff just doesn't completely blow his stack and go crazy uh for for a week and who knows maybe 38 points on like hyper efficient crazy three-point shooting is marcus howard's new normal um but if he is just sort of a consistent player who you know has good moments and bad moments then i think marquette is going to play two close games um and if i had to pick i would say wisconsin is a win and purdue is a loss uh, I'm going to go to and no. Um, I think, I think that's totally fair. I was very close to going to and no.
2: I think that,
1: uh,
2: Purdue is still like Purdue will be
1: pretty good
2: by the end of the year. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure they're there yet. Um, the, I, I would have said one and one had they not lost to Texas at home. Um, but you know, I think the loss to Texas at home where, uh, you know, we sort of saw some of the weaknesses of that team. Um, I, I, I'm a lot more confident. I like the complimentary pieces around Marcus Howard more than I like the complimentary pieces around um, any of, or more than I like really any of the pieces that Purdue has right now. Um, so um, I think that'll be close. I think that'll probably come down to the final two or three possessions. Um, I'm pretty confident we're going to beat Wisconsin on Sunday. So um, I'm going to say two and now. Oh.
0: Uh, I am going to say that we lose to Purdue. I think Matt Painter's strategy is going to be get Theo John out of the paint as much as possible. And he just so happens to have a center who can do just that. I think he's going to do a lot of pick and pops for Matt Harms, uh, try and force Theo John to hedge out on some of those screen attempts, um, try and get him into foul trouble. And Theo John will probably end up getting in foul trouble, which to me would make the difference in that game. Um, so I think we come away disappointed, and I think that ends up being a couple possession loss. Um, and then yeah, we'll win, we'll win to Wisconsin. Wojo owns the call Center, they Wisconsin will score 38 points. <laughs>
2: okay, okay, okay.
0: I'll, I'll, I like him 45. If the, if they actually score thirty eight points, um, you get to let me talk about Wichita State for a whole podcast. No, absolutely <laughs> not. I will not let that happen. Um, It'd be anyway. great. I can I can make references that I and only I would know.
2: You and the one person listening to this podcast that also knows Wichita State.
0: There there are none. I I can promise you that.
2: All right. Um. Yeah. I mean. It, I do want to point out that Sam is the optimistic one here, which is wild and probably means that I'm like having some sort of fever dream going on. Um, any any other thoughts
1: before I go pass out from this? Or I mean, I just think I'm very – this is – you know, the first game of the season was so nice to just have it all back, and especially with how Marcus started. It was just kind of like a joy trip there. Where you were just like, oh my god, this is amazing! Like, give me all of this, and it was just like, oh, it's it's all fl- you know, rushing back at once. And now this week is going to be serious reality check. Like, how good is Marquette actually right now? I don't think, you know, going zero two this week would be okay. Marquette is done or is not can't reach any sort of acceptable heights this season. But I do think that these two games offer a really effective barometer uh, on where this team is at right now. Um, And so I'm going to be very interested. I think the Purdue one is more effective because the Wisconsin one is, it's so cheesy to say, throw out the records when these two teams get together. Um, But it kind of is that to a certain extent, um, just because of how emotional that game ends up being, both the players and the crowd and all of it. Um, But I think at this point, that Purdue game is going to be a really interesting barometer because that's a really talented, well-coached team that is a bit of a tr- in a transition phase. But if you play sloppy and you do not bring your A game, that is a team that is confident enough to beat you. So I'll be very, very intrigued by how these two games play out. And I think it will be a great indicator of, you know, where Marquette is right now and where they have to go uh, to sort of achieve – some of the uh, expectations and hopes that uh, we and a number of other fans have for them this season. Anything else you guys want to throw on top of that? I think that um, that might be a good place to end it unless I missed anything.
0: I'm just going through, I'm going through the schedule of games this week and I'm just frothing at the mouth. Purdue Marquette, Villanova, Ohio state, Memphis, Oregon, Mizzou, Xavier,
2: DePaul, Iowa. My God. I'm very ready for Providence to dance all over the grave of Northwestern. Like it's going oh. to be hilarious. It's going to be brutal.
0: Northwestern is
2: garbage. Sa- Sam overrates Providence yet again.
1: <laughs> Throwback to last year, Pat. Yes, Sam. Sam, you love yourself some Providence.
2: I don't know why.
1: Yeah, but um,
0: ooh, yeah, I'm gonna watch Illinois Arizona after this. Hell yeah. What time Let's is that? Go. Is that at That's the... a eight? Okay. So it's in an hour. Oh okay. well,
1: you 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 can you like like grab yourself some ice cream and like cry tears when you watch Nico play. Oh no! Yeah, if you if you forgot, that's what Arizona is this year. Like the Nico show.
2: Also, shout out uh, Bull Eligible Illinois football.
1: Look out, world! Wow, Woo! Illini, Illini corner, Illini minute. Yeah, line Sa- Sam, Illini Sam,
2: minute. Sam Sam's is an Illini. Illini fan when he's not a Marquette fan. So. Um. Yeah,
1: that, that it feels the, good. Illinois like back. A, is there like a roll tide or like war eagle like phrase for Illinois athletics? Not really. No. Okay. I L L I N I. Man. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That that's pretty good.
2: That's 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 it. All right, we'll go with uh, that. Yeah. A shout out to them beating Michigan State in East Lansing, which is hilarious. On shout a Shout to them second.
0: beating Wisconsin.
1: Also, also that.
0: Yeah. Also shout like, out to that.
1: That was that was my favorite football game of the season, probably. I was like
0: on the way to a family wedding. Like it was on TV as the Uber driver was pulling up and it ended. And I was just, I was just smiling to myself as I got in and headed off to it. It was, it was great.
1: I will say that that football game, uh, yeah, yesterday, the, uh, LSU Alabama game was like very, very awesome. It like was a, super fun. An insanely great college football game.
0: Correct. So,
1: um, anyhow, Um, let's, let's call it there. Um, thank you guys as always for listening. Um, we'll be back hopefully Sunday evening after the Badger game to dissect this important week and looking forward to talking to you then.